Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coleman, sitting once again in the heart of the Clempire, Snake and Jake's Christmas Club Lounge, with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times, and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. <laughs> Welcome, Manny. Hey, cool. We finally got sound effects on yeah, this yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been wanting sound effects <laughs> on this show forever. I wanted to be like Wolfman Jack. You got to have a guy to yeah. do that. Just, yeah, we should. We, I wanted that, but that's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, what's going on with you, man? Oh, uh, you know, uh, just uh, gearing up for Jazz Fest starting in a a few days here. Uh, Made it through all my gigs last weekend. Went to Baton Rouge, played with Elizabeth King uh, because of a little... uh, Now, she is Martin Luther King's granddaughter, right? Um, I don't know. They might be related. I'm not really sure. Uh, I think she uh, is. Okay, well, she is from Memphis. She's uh, an older uh, lady, uh, great... uh, Now, did she have bodyguards with her? Um, she didn't have any bodyguards. She had a band that she brought down from Memphis, and I guess they were uh, kind of looking after her, and her granddaughter was there singing harmony with her, and she was keeping an eye on her. But, uh, but yeah, uh, Miss King is a, a great sacred soul and gospel singer, uh, records for the uh, uh, Bible and Tire uh, record company up there in Memphis, the great Bruce Watson producing. And, uh, yeah, so our former guest, Will Sexton, came down oh, with the band. Okay. And, and Alex Green, another guy that's been on the podcast, were in the band. And they they uh, got me over there. And because of a little mix-up in the time, I wound up getting to Baton Rouge like half an hour before uh, Downbeat and actually making it to stage and ready to play. Like, what is Downbeat? The beginning of the, of the gig. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, the first uh, beat of the first song, and, oh, okay. and 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 had like five minutes to spare <laughs> before I started playing. So now this was a gospel gig. It, it was uh, the Baton Rouge Blues Festival. Oh, okay. Uh, so they had all kind of different. Uh, now, were they acts. dressed in those gospel chorus outfits and stuff? Uh, well, Miss King had a, a nice uh, uh, white top on and uh, some some dressy slacks, and. Uh, but uh, you know, it was, they didn't have robes. It was just uh, you know the. Now, who the, do you think was the better person? <laughs> Her grandfather, Martin Luther King, or Stalin? Uh, I guess I'm going to have to go with uh, Martin Luther King okay. again. Yeah. I just uh, go yeah. with the safe money. All right, it's a yeah. tough one, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's, a, it's a brain teaser. Um, and then uh, played with uh, Dave Easley, another former guest, who you asked him uh, when he started doing LSD. <laughs> <laughs> when, when he was on the podcast, played with him on Sunday. <laughs> when did when was uh, he on the podcast? Uh, he was on the podcast. It was it was here. We did it. We did it here. He was uh, he's just kind of a he is a Native American a guy. guy. He was a, his father was ja- grandfather was Japanese. He's, oh. uh, yeah, that that guy. But uh, anyway, so play. He's a pedal steel player. Played with him on Sunday. And uh, so we're just gearing up for... Uh, he's amazing. A, a few, oh, yeah, he's an amazing uh, pedal steel guitar player. He used uh, to play with Coco, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, well, you know, I did see in the news, Manny, we, we've talked about the, you know, Mayor uh, Latoya Cantrell's uh, use of the uh, the Pontalba uh, apartment building, you know, yes. as a controversy. And yes. apparently now the... Uh, the city council has taken some action. They've uh, restricted uh, her use of the Pontalba, and uh, without reading it, I'm, I'm just 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 spitballing, thinking, well, uh, 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 so now they're restricting her to only giving blowjobs in the in the <laughs> in the apartment. There's, there's there's no straight sex and no overnight stays, apparently. 
Well, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm just guessing. I, 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 you know, they had to do something. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah we're stuck with her for another couple of years, right? So we, we they've got to do something, and you know, uh, if she, I, I don't know. She's good at giving BJ's. I have no idea. Uh, but let's hope. Uh, now that I heard that they're just going to use that apartment for when you know people from other countries, dignitaries. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, whatever. It's it's you know right. who cares anymore? Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Anyway, you know, if she wants to rent my apartment, she can rent my apartment. Okay, and she yeah. can do anything she wants there. Bring have overnight yeah, guests, police yeah. officers, well, that's what uh, my EMS. Tenant's doing now, right? Right. Now, okay. You know and. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's a good guy. She's a good person. Let's sure, yeah, we, she, yeah, we, we, we she, kid Latoya, yeah, but we like her. We yeah, like yeah. her a lot. Yeah. She, uh, she's a fucking, <laughs> you know, whatever she does. Anyway, yeah, so yeah, we're gearing up for Jazz Fest. Right now, are you uh, are you hunkering down? I know you're. You live yeah. right in the right yeah, in in the yeah. on the bullseye. I of, know. Of, I'm of hunkering jazz fest. down, and oh. I'm not going this year. I I was I was uh, forced to go last year. I did see you yeah, there you last year. You saw me last yeah, year, yeah, and. And uh, it was, you know, I just remember my wife took me to see some of these bands and it was, they were just awful. What was that guy, uh, Daniel Lanois guy? That guy was just... You didn't, you didn't care for him. I thought uh, it was a good set. I, I saw that same set. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Sound, his set sounded like children when they make up music. Okay, you know? well... <laughs> That's what it sounded like to uh, me. You know, uh, every, you every know. band is not for every person. You know, yeah. they say no accounting for taste. So, uh, yeah, and it's just, you know... The thing is, I was thinking about it, you know... Uh, music just doesn't mean that much to me anymore. Yeah. I mean, it used to, but not anymore. I can I could take it or leave it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's that's uh, a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. You know? it's so loud. Yeah, you know, it gets loud, and you know you can't eat with music. I hate you know when you have live bands while you're eating. Yeah, that's a horrible situation. Oh, I don't the think bands usually up. hate people eating yeah. while they're playing. Yeah. So. Well, maybe that's true. I don't know, but they, that's it's nothing there but food and drink. I know. Right, you know, right. Shove it down your throat. So, you know. It is what it is. I'm going to hunker down. I've got I, I've got my uh, 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 barricades, you know, my cones, my caution tape, okay. so no one can take my parking space mm-hmm. and my wife's parking space. And so, you know, it it, it is what it is. It's uh, two weeks of that. You got to get yourself a cooler full of cold drinks. Oh, don't worry about that. I, I have my libations. No, I mean to sell. Oh no, I ain't gonna do that. I'm not gonna <laughs> make money. No, you know the problem is if I go out. If I go out in the front, I'd be of, making money. If I go in front of my house and all these people are walking by, you know what they say? Oh, they always say Happy Jazz Fest. <laughs> it's like it's not a fucking holiday, man. <laughs> and I tell them, I go, it's not a holiday. It's true. And some people look at me like I'm fucking nuts or like something. Killjoy. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Like, some it's people. Not, you know, it's not a holiday. Where's my gift if it's a holiday? You get you know? gifts for every holiday. Yeah, you do. You get gifts for uh, well, St. Patrick's Day? I don't celebrate St. Patrick's but Day. But it's a holiday. But it's not my holiday. So, But if I did celebrate it, so I what's respect So what's one of your holidays? Uh, do let's you celebrate see. Thanksgiving? Uh, not really. I mean, we do. <laughs> okay. But, this is uh, just, just uh, go to the track. Yeah, you're just trying to pick here. He's not... <laughs> You can try all you want, man. Group, buddy. You're not supposed to say no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that's... that's, uh, that's yeah, no, but so, yeah, it's going to happen. It's two weeks, and uh, what are you going to do? And then apparently uh, this guy who bought the house next door to me that my friends used to live in, mm-hmm. uh, he's this guy from California. He's, 
He's extending Jazz Fest in our neighborhood by having some huge uh, porch party, a back porch party at his house, right next to my house, mm -hmm. the day after the second Sunday. Yeah. He's extending it. So it's like, I have to that's deal with it little, one more day. That's a little you know? uh, outrageous. And I say, heard, yeah. you know, I don't know how legal this is, but he charged his, he's charged admission. Yeah, to this gig. probably not legal, but uh, well, it's uh, good, a house party. Good, good, good luck getting uh, the police to enforce uh, not having a permit. Well, you know, I like to do my land gardening at the later day, late in the afternoon. Okay. So maybe there'll be a weed eater going on while this can <laughs> okay. concert's going on. Yeah. Maybe I'll be playing my own music. Yeah. You can get it louder than I think than a weed eater would be like a um, one of those leaf blowers. Leaf or blowers. Yeah. yeah. I don't have yeah. that. Right. Right. You can rent one at Home yeah, Depot or um, what do you call low or something or I could just Not take one much. of the my parking cones and shout through it there you go those Come are very effective oh, those yeah. are effective as megaphones it's yeah. really very large so it's like you know it never ends alright you know, right. it's like you gotta extend it one more day you know and yeah. it, this guy doesn't even live there half the year he's just like he's just coming in for certain parts of the year this is what I've heard uh, okay. from uh, people who know him and we know, and I'm not going to mention their names, but we kn we know the performers that are performing at his, okay. back, his back door porch. Apparently, if you charge admission to something like this, you're supposed to get a porta potty as a permit. You have to get a permit, and a porta potty has to be there on site. Uh huh. And I'm sure it's not going to happen. Right, right, you know? right. Yeah, it's a, everybody's uh, just just. Yeah, it's like trying to, you know, it's just, you know, the can't police anything here. No, no, It's no, just no, a lawless not town. Dur not during that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, we like that in many respects. But, uh, uh, really? Okay. Well, How do yeah. you like that? Mm. You know, Manny, you, you, you like to, uh, to uh, be able to slide around the margins of the law, you know. You yeah, always I have. The, I don't know what that means. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know what anyway. that means. Well, uh, you know, it, it is Jazz Fest and, and uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the weather is getting warmer, and, and yeah. it, it, it brings uh, sandal season. You know, oh, yeah. All the, you love the, sandals. The ladies start wearing sandals now. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, sandal season brings it with it a, a, a dark side, oh, yeah? which is man sandal season. Uh, well, <laughs> mandals. Mandal yeah, season. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to see guys' feet. I don't want to see guys uh, in sandals. And uh, but you, you want know. to see their cocks, though, right? Well, you know, sure, <laughs> you know, if, uh, you know. But uh, no, the feet. You know, the feet's probably the ugliest somewhere. part of the body with women and men. If you ask mm -hmm. me, you know, depends on the person. I you know, I mean, I've 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 had some uh, 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 partners in my life, some women in my life, who have liked to uh, suck on the toes. Hmm. You okay. know, they like to suck on the toes. I really? You're going to want to clean those nails well. Because nothing gets ejaculated from the toes, I guess. I don't know. There's a lot of bacteria. I don't know. But that's, that's a whole oh, yeah. other story. Yeah, yeah, toe jam don't even get into it. You know, yeah. But you know, I find that. that feet have a lot of personality. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They can I mean, tell, yeah, you can tell yeah. a lot from, about a person from looking at their feet. You know, I, For instance, whether or not they're wearing shoes. Okay, <laughs> sure, sure. Didn't see that coming. Um, well, yeah, I, I do do know uh, at least one person, one one man who uh, was suggesting that he date this girl, and who was a lovely person, very smart, had a lot of shared interests, and he said. No, man, can't do it. She's got busted feet. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like really? <laughs> it never occurred to me that that would be a deal breaker. He's like, no, I need the, the full package, man. Can't, 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 can't have bad feet. Wow. wow. <laughs> I mean, I could see, like, 
bad breath, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, no, he's 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 a completist, man. He wanted it, uh, you know. And uh, there, he's got there, a single currently. Yeah, yeah. He's he probably, is, he is currently he's, single. He's probably yeah. a virgin too. Right? Yeah. Uh, no, a virgin. I don't think so. But uh, you know, yeah. there, you, you, your standards can be too high. Yeah, you can can hold people to to too high of a standard. Yeah, standards, uh, you know, are for, uh, I don't know what they're for. Weights and measures. Yeah, there you go. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so that's great. The Asbest will be here, and it'll right. be gone, and... Then it'll be uh, and hot. It'll be something else. It'll be hot. You hot. Know, hot. It's always hot. But you know what? Uh, you know, I think about stuff mm-hmm. a no. lot, and I just, I just... It came to this realization, because I like to, you know, we like to, on the weekends, we like to order out... You know, or, you know, we don't really like to dine in at places, but we order out from a lot of restaurants during the weekend. Okay. And I was going through the whole, uh, on the computer there, and I was, like, looking at different types of foods and all that here in the city. And then, you know, the big thing now is, are these food trucks. Sure. You know, these food trucks that right. have all sorts of cuisine from all parts of the world and stuff, and they're very exciting, you know. And, and yeah, but, it's a fad everywhere. Right yeah, now. but I was thinking to myself, um, why don't they fucking deliver? I mean, they're on four wheels, <laughs> you know? Or at least move. Why do I have mobile? to drive could, to them? Well, they could go from when they could just drive neighborhood to, me. to neighborhood, maybe. Yeah, you know? Kind of like the ice cream it, truck. It makes no sense to me. Like you're the ice in cream a car. Truck. Yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. Like the good humor man would just go up and down your street mm-hmm. and, and play, say, yeah, and play songs. some ice cream and stuff like that and sell acid and stuff like that, <laughs> you know? But so why don't these food, you know, it's like it makes no sense. Do they no still sense. have ice cream trucks here? Oh yeah, I seen one. Yeah, okay, yeah. good because yeah. I remember that very, very I have fond memories of hearing the ice cream oh, yeah. truck from yeah. blocks away. Yeah, but uh, the food trucks aren't aren't doing the same door to door thing. No, yeah, they yeah, are going up and down the street. You know, I want like door to door espresso truck. There you go. That'd be fucking killer. I mean, if you're have if you're already in a truck or a vehicle, you have four wheels. Why do I have to get in my car and drive to you? <laughs> you need some really good shocks, probably. Yeah, yeah, it might be, might be uh, tough to, to keep things, especially in this town. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Imagine I know, if you had like. I mean, if I if I just said, listen, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna, I want to order something, <laughs> they could just drive to me, yeah. and then I'll pick up my order yeah. there. Then sure. Could, you know, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Well, to they me. can have little. Uh, satellites. You could have little guys on mopeds or those tiny motorcycles. They could have their minions or whatever they call them, right. the Oompa Loompas delivering sure, food. Sure, sure, sure. Or the drones. The drones. You know, yeah. they could de- be delivering yeah. food. I've been hearing well, that th- that was been that's been threatened for some time. Drone delivery. Right. Well, yet. maybe that's a side hustle for you, Manny. You could uh, you could just start a delivery I, service I, and no, just take it no, from the. No. Now I remember that on a, a previous guest, uh, uh, Jose Torres Tama, when he was taught kept talking about the uh, taco truck theater that your 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 big question for him was these taco trucks uh, where do you go to the bathroom so well, that's it too yeah, yeah. it's another you thing know? like you know when you go to one of these take taco a dump trucks right in front of the truck <laughs> well, you know? not, just take but, a leak but I guess if you're if your, you gotta go you gotta go I guess right? if at your house you can just well, use your public, own facilities. public bathrooms is something that's missing from most urban areas that's true it's true man in Europe you you like have pay pay for use kind of well, yeah, some places in Europe they have those little kiosks, just right. urinals and stuff that right. are just yeah. outside for you to use. Paris and now, stuff. Now, when I Amsterdam, when I was in Bermuda uh, on this this cruise recently, uh, the and uh, you took a shit over the, the deck. <laughs> no, 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 in the in the in this this the the. the 
the, the <laughs> town waved the, the, the towns in Bermuda had uh, all kind of nice uh, public restrooms and stuff that anybody could go into. It was, yeah, uh, nice yeah, yeah well, it's a, I guess a small, small were they triangle shaped? Have you seen the ones that are um, no, like regular? Some I think there was one. I don't know if it actually functions in in Cambridge where they it, it, so it's all metal and somebody goes in there and uses it and then like washes the entire space like oh, okay. sprays everything uh, and then I've heats s- it or something I've seen those on television to sterilize yeah, yeah. it and everything yeah, I think they have those they're kind of scary those um, are big like in Japan um, I guess too porta potties and stuff like that right so it sprays your whole body no uh, no after you leave and, clo- <laughs> and close oh. it and you know it's, not, it's like a huge bidet or something no. yeah a body whole, bidet no it's for the whole space you leave uh, and then it cleans the whole automatically cleans the whole Japanese I mean they're anal about their well the Japanese toilets man I tried one one time and I was hooked. I was like, man. Okay. I think Maybe I think I may have move. just um, ruined yourself. I was yourself? about to propose to it. I oh, swear okay. to God. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Manny, uh, any, anything else going on in, uh, in Manny's world? Yes, I lost my lucky crack pipe. Oh, so man. I'm sort of upset about so, that. What, seven years bad luck? Is that? I it? don't know oh, what okay. what kind of bad luck, but I'm really pissed. Yeah. I lost my lucky crack pipe. So it's back. To what the, was lucky about it? Back to the tin foil. Well. Yeah, back to the foil or the apple or the <laughs> toilet roll. Or, sure. You know. There's so many options, yeah, you so know. You're options, really, I don't think you can smoke crack with a toilet roll. It's, I think. Oh, yes, yeah, you can. Okay. You'd be wrong about that, Jeremy. You'd be wrong about that, Jeremy. So that's something that's been upsetting to me. Uh, I don't know what happened to it. Just disappeared. Okay. Well, anyway. maybe it'll turn up. I hope, I hope hopefully so. so. I hope so. Well, yeah. speaking of, uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, dope fiends, long lost uh, New Orleans Is this my intro? Uh, person uh, <laughs> showed up here recently on Snake and Jake's doorstep. I don't know if you heard about this, but I don't know, you remember uh, uh, when uh, Soup Chain? Dave, no, well, <laughs> oh, man. You're, not, you're not far off, uh, okay. but uh, going a little bit farther back than that. So Dave Turgeon, Dave Slut, uh, talks about his, uh, on the podcast we had him on, he was talking about, I was asking about his original bandmate, uh, uh-huh. uh, Jimmy Slut, Jimmy Chubbuck, uh-huh. who's, who's uh, persona not grata and, in New Orleans, and uh, you know Dave won't speak to him. Well, Dave, some, I mean, uh, uh, Jimmy somehow was... I don't know if he was like uh, uh, re- forcibly repatriated from Guatemala to the United States, and and uh, now he's back in New Orleans. I think he's right across the street there, <laughs> living there. Across yeah, the street? yeah, like in that empty lot, or possibly the uh, and the, Dave Clemens the house next him, door. Well, I don't know. I think Dave just kind of he, he uh, wound up in Dave's hands. For I can't really figure out why that's the case. But uh, so he's such a dope fiend that he got kicked out of Guatemala. Uh, yeah, I don't know why exactly what the details are, but I was shocked to hear that uh, that Jimmy is back in town and. Uh, uh, the first thing was shock, and the second was, ooh, I got to get him on the podcast. Uh-oh. So uh, okay. something to look forward to, kids. He's Maybe a, he has my crack pipe. Well, that's, that's, uh, we'll have to ask him about that when he, when he comes on. But I know uh, people hearing this news, a lot of, a lot of uh, New Orleanians will be shocked and, uh, and surprised. They didn't expect that, that name to come up. Uh, certainly I didn't. But uh, uh, I, I kind of remember Dave talking. I mean, I can't Yeah, yeah. Well, no shit. one was more, more shocked than, than uh, Dave Clements, I'm sure. And he's still... Uh, well, does Turjan know he's in town? I, 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 that's I, I don't good. know. Uh, yeah, only only if Dave told him. 
Well, have you, uh, have you I, checked I, the uh, uh, lost and found at the crack house? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, before we get to our guest, okay, he's exciting to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's got a lot of energy. Yeah, a lot of energy. Um, I like that. I talked to our former guest and my friend Matt Techu, uh-huh. uh huh, the drummer, and uh, he finally he finally returned my call six weeks later. But there was actually uh, they had in Los Angeles they had a memorial for Dick Stanny. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, they had a memorial, and he told me all about it. So that's good that they did that for Dix. Nice. Uh, his brother John did most of the talking, apparently. A- as uh, per the usual, huh? Yeah, 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 most of the talking. And apparently uh, told the audience that uh, 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 that Dix did more of the talking than anyone else in, in, in certain ways. You know, he huh. got things done in certain ways because he didn't, you know, he was a man of few words. Uh-huh. But uh, I was told that there was, you know, Matt was there. I think uh, uh, Pete Weiss, our former guest, was mm-hmm. there. Uh, Pete Weiss, the... Uh Drummer. Oh, drummer. No, there, there is a Pete Weiss up in your neck of the woods, yeah, but no, this yeah, is a, no, 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 an L.A. Is, drummer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got gotcha. you. And, uh, and uh, um, uh, other people were there. Xander mm-hmm. was there. Okay. Um, Keith Morris. I think Iris might have been there, too. Right. I'm not 100% sense. sure if Matt even knows who Iris is. But uh, he said it was a good time, had by all. And, and in true fashion, um, uh, Bob Forrest showed up late. As always, okay, because the guy was always late. So in true fashion, that was Bob's. Uh, you know, even, even sober, he can't be on time. He can't okay. be on time. All yeah. Right. So anyway, that's. I just wanted to put that out there to the All nation. Right, well, shout out to uh, Matt Techu. Matt Matt has started his own podcast. I saw. Uh, has uh, he? I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Matt, really? Matt, oh. Uh, Matt Matt got inspired by us and uh, and and figured well. Those idiots can do it. Well, yeah. I <laughs> How guess hard could so. it be? Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, no, we, we wish Matt all the best. Uh, well, what uh, yeah, is this was, podcast about? Drummers? Uh, I think it's kind of like this one, you know, <laughs> where he just uh, talks to people he knows, you know, musicians, artists, writers. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, um, uh, but just him. Okay. Well, anyway, let's get to our guest. Sure. Uh, the guest, he doesn't, he, he lived here for many years, but he's, he's been away for, since Katrina, I guess, and he's here for just a short time. He, he played in town with his band, uh, Vapors of Morphine, over the weekend. So uh, we're very excited to have him here. He's a, he's a terrific uh, slide guitar player, banjo player, singer, songwriter, now bassist. Uh, he's, uh, he's been, as I mentioned, he's, he's with, uh, Vapors of Morphine. He was also the band leader of the Delta Billy Boys. He played in the Big Mess Blues Band out on the street when he was first here in New Orleans. We're going to get into all that. Also, uh, a member of Shotzi, a former guest of ours, uh, Greg Schatz. He was in his band. But, uh, anyway, without further ado, the great Mr. Jeremy Lyons. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you. Hello. Man, good to have you here. Good to be here. I was uh, I'm just I was late getting here because um, I ran in I was getting into my car and this car pulls up next to me and rolls down its window and it's a guy named Jonathan Freilich. <laughs> okay. And yeah. he said he was just with you. Like, yeah, we were like, hanging out this afternoon playing some guitar and yeah. swapping some ideas. Yeah, and he said for me to just give you hell. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he said for me to give you hell. But he did, I asked him, well, what can I talk about? And he said that uh, you have this horrible habit. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, 
Do you want to mention it, or do I have to mention it? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, you don't know what I'm talking about? No. Maybe we should wait till we get into uh, it a little bit. Uh, okay. Uh-oh. I'm, uh, I'm nervous. Well, I'm going to hold off what for a second. What does Chief Freilich know about me? Uh, well, I don't know. He, he told me. He told me things. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. okay, I'm waiting with the anticipation. All right, all right. So. Well, so, uh, so, so, Jeremy, I, I know you... Uh, you were you were here for years. Uh, I guess you probably got here in like the early '90s or so. Yeah, I officially moved to town in December fifteenth, nineteen ninety-two. Okay, I've been in Baton Rouge since October. Staying, uh, my my girlfriend at the time and I had been living in New Mexico, and then we uh, had visited on the way out there from the Northeast. We we visited my aunt who lives in Baton Rouge. So we came back and stayed with her for a little while until we figured out what we were doing and found a place. Actually, my first apartment was right in the building, right next in in the Bufus building, right next to the front bar. Oh, all right, all right. So, but uh, as I said, you don't come from New Orleans. So, where 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 did you grow up? I uh, was born and mostly raised in Ithaca, New York. Okay, much like uh, Shotzi. Greg Schatz. Oh, really? Is Greg from from up there? He is. That? Yeah. Okay. I see you had a very thorough interview with him. Um, <laughs> well, I we, did. It's, I can't remember. It was a while ago. It was during the pandemic. We, uh, no, we actually uh, we were in our first high school band together. We no kid. I met him in the sixth grade, and we were going to school together in seventh and and uh, into high school. Wow. So you guys have been friends since then. Yeah, he oh, came down cool. and visited me about a year after I'd moved down here, and then uh, about a year later, uh, moved down himself. Well, tell is he us still here? Yeah, he yeah, is yeah. indeed. Yeah, he's oh, okay. one of the guys running the French Quarter Fest. Yeah, Greg does oh. all the booking and uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, staging so for. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hello, got some Troubleman Podcast fans coming in oh, to, to uh, oh. uh, like to sit and watch us uh, record. Welcome, oh, nice. welcome, folks. Well, uh, so tell us about uh, growing up in Ithaca. What's Ithaca like? I have no idea. <laughs> well. Ithaca is a small town. It's a college town. It's got Cornell University and oh, Ithaca Cornell. College. Oh, Cornell. Okay, all right. It's um, three hills and and a lake. One of the Finger Lakes. Now, were your parents academics um, up there? Yeah, my father was a professor of philosophy and law at Cornell for mm. close to thirty years. I think they moved to Boston. Actually, in my parents moved to Boston. I'm the third of three kids, and after I moved out and established myself, they were in a big house in a small town and decided to swap and they cash out. Yeah, well, they moved to Boston, and uh, uh, he started working at BU. But my mom's a social worker too. She's um, she's worked with displaced homemakers in um, you know women who were reentering the workforce mm-hmm. after divorce or widowhood, which was kind of a you know she started doing that in the seventies and eighties and stuff. And then now she's working with you know, at risk families. Actually, they're they're both still working. My dad, I think, is finally retiring at eighty eight. Okay, well, oh God, yeah. that, that speaks well for you. Your your uh, your uh, longevity. Hopefully, right, right. Um, so, that skips uh, a generation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it possibly could. <laughs> so, uh, musical family, or how do you get interested in, in uh, playing music? Well, I mean, there, w- there were no professional musicians in the immediate family, but um, there was definitely a love of music, and my mother played piano, and sometimes we'd sit around and she'd go through a songbook or two and we'd sing, you know, like uh, Alan Lomax collections or whatever, mm-hmm. Ruth Seeger collections, that kind of stuff. Um, of old folk songs she'd play the piano we'd sing and everything okay. and then I took like piano lessons actually from the same initially from the same teacher that Shotzi did when I was like seven or eight or something for a uh-huh. little while learning how to go doom 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 with the left hand and sure yeah boogie woogie right right and then I yeah I mean I don't know I just uh, as a teenager I just got I had some friends who had 
guitar, bass, and I just fell in love with it. And I, I had been a performer already, like I was into theater for a long time. Oh, okay. As a youth. And um, I, I think that was the idea of being able to perform, like, without all of the accoutrement, all the, the things that go along with having to have a theater and a, a director and a writer and a whole group of people. And the idea of some kind of performance that was could be solo or with a small group, that was really appealing to me. Okay. So as soon as I started to learn chords, I was playing in front of people it, when I probably should not have been. But, yeah. You know. You figured uh, you, you'd learn the rest as you went. Yeah, Shotzi and I were in a garage band thing. I'm like, a, what, for the young people listening, a garage band is a band of people playing music in a garage or other small space, usually teenagers. Uh, there's usually, well, see Frank Zappa. Right, 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 right. Um, so so you, uh, you, you start off, but you get more serious, you find a teacher. Yeah, I, um, I was going, I went to... I was going to college, actually Massachusetts at Hampshire, and then and one summer I took lessons from a guy named Martin Simpson, who's a British folk guitarist, really. Um, he was living in Ithaca for a few years, and, and Shotzi and I were friends with his his stepsons, his kids, and um, and I, I he was a brilliant slide guitar player and finger picker. Um, and uh, I I took a, a, like about eight lessons with him, you know, and okay. that sort of got me into. I just started finger style picking and some slides. So I already had the rudiments down, mm -hmm. some isolation between the thumb and the fingers, and so yeah, that sort of just he would he would make a set tapes of each every lesson. lesson. So for years I had those and could just refer back and stuff. Right. And then I moved after college. Like I said, I was in New Mexico for a little while working flipping burgers and playing music for the coyotes and stuff in the desert and then convinced my girlfriend at the time to move to Louisiana. She left after six months. But yeah. I started, I was working at the Bur Bourbon Orleans at, um, as a cashier in the restaurant okay. for a couple months but started playing on the street right away. Okay. And, and you fell in with the, the Big Mess Blues Band or how, how did that... Uh uh, yeah, um, let's see. So I'd I'd been down a couple of times before that. I'd, I'd in nineteen New Year's of eighty nine. I was down with a with a high school girlfriend and her dad, and uh, I did see the Big Mess play. Although the only person I really remembered was Lisa, the washboard player. Mm -hmm. um, washboard Lisa. Washboard yeah, Lisa, yeah. yes. Right. And um, saw them again. I you know when we we came through Baton Rouge going out to New Mexico we visited New Orleans and partied and stuff and then I remember seeing street musicians and it made a big impression on me and yeah I came back and I was had a crappy job and then would just take the guitar out to the quarters and play by myself first and then I started meeting people there was a guy who had also been at Hampshire with me named uh, Ari Freed who played harmonica who was down here for a few years he ended up moving to Chicago and working for the uh, old the, this Old Town, Old Town School of yeah. Music. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Played there a number of times. Yeah. The iguanas, yeah. Um, and he was a harmonica player. He was actually good friends with a guy I'd played with as a little duo, sort of brownie and sunny thing in, mm. a, um, in college. And he introduced me to Corey Harris. Okay. And then they both were, I was palling around with them and a guy named Johnny Duff who was playing on the street with the big mess at the time. And so, like, Corey and I were sort of, like, standing. It's like we would be standing on the sidelines to try to get to play. Uh -huh. And if there weren't m m too many guitar players around, we could play. Right. And then eventually they decided that I could play anyway. Oh, okay. You, know, you, so. you put in, paid your dues uh, yeah, I guess. In, in the wings. Now, Washboard Lisa. Yeah. When is her laundry night? Well, she's since passed. 
Oh, she's passed. But she wasn't really. The, most, the part of the problem was that she used her washboard for playing music exclusively, so the laundry really didn't wasn't so didn't get done. Wasn't getting done so much. Super Maybe we should get her on the show. Well, think? she's she's passed away. Well, we'll get her anyway. Get a, you'd have yeah. to get a um, well in this town. You might <laughs> be a able seance. To do, yeah, we'll yeah, get we'll get do anyway. a seance episode. Yeah. Um, well, you know, actually, uh, uh, your your current bandmate, one of your bandmates, uh, Dana Cawley from the from Morphine and Vapors of Morphine. When we had him on the podcast, we were talking about you, and he said that that he's I believe still has a photograph that he took of you playing with the the big mess uh band out on the street before he even knew you or anything has, has he told you about this oh no we when we we met uh shortly i moved up to cambridge well first boston and then cambridge massachusetts after katrina uh, we we evacuated to new orleans and then and, and then moved on as we saw the situation developing and um I met Dana through mutual friends, actually through like other parents. He had a little kid at the time, uh-huh. and um, um, he invited me to his, the Mark Stamman's old, old studio apartment thing. Where he was right, we we don't want to jump too far ahead, but okay. I was just, just. But anyway, no, we he had seen he had been in Mor- in Morphine had been I think on the second tour or something down in New Orleans. Probably playing Helen Wolf or House of Blues, and, and they were he was walking around the quarter, and he he kept these journals, and mm-hmm. and over the phone he called me up one day, and he's like, hey, check this out. And he started reading a description of his first time in his second time in New Orleans, talking about Cafe Dumont and all this stuff, and then talking about this band on the on the street, and he started describing the washboard player girl uh-huh. and the tap dancing girl and the dog and the this and that. I was like, uh, that's my band. <laughs> okay. And then, when I came over to his house for like his Christmas party, he showed it to me, and then he flipped the page, and there was the photograph. But he had taken two Polaroids and left one in the guitar case, which I happened to take uh-huh. out of the seven of us or however uh-huh. many were there, and happened to keep put in a little uh, you know photo album, uh-huh. which is just about all the photos I have left in the world from before Katrina, because everything else was downstairs and destroyed. Oh, wow. And so I have the. The, the mate to his photo crazy man it's uh we didn't meet until 2005 so like 11 years later that's so weird the way the world works well uh well so so you lived in, you you moved here in 92 uh you're you're playing with the big mess blues band then and, and but you already knew then then uh greg shots follows you down here and uh it kind of starts getting established is that what you said uh, yeah, yeah. So I was playing with like Augie Rodola Jr., who's one of the leaders of the band. This amazing singer and slide guitar player, Butch Trevette, okay. uh, Lisa, Kenny Holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Andy Coffin uh, was playing bass at the time, and then Steve Lewins and Jerry Anderson was playing drums at first when I first moved down here. That was a lot of fun. Nice. Um, um, but yeah, Shotzi came down a couple years after I'd moved here. Um, now, did you were you were you getting the Delta Billy Boys to, Not, that, together? No, I was playing. I started playing. I think clubs around '94, like Margaritaville and the Dragon's Den and checkpoints and stuff. And um, it took me a little while to establish a regular trio. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just called the Jeremy Lyons Trio or some right. something boring. Uh-huh. Um, sounded like a jazz band sort of. So, I, but um, it was when we first came out. We came out with. Uh, so I had a. British bass player actually named Steve Lewins who was um, had, he had been in the 
London pre-punk scene. Oh, okay. The pub rock scene, like right. with, with the Dr. Feelgood and mm -hmm. the 101ers and stuff. And he had right. lots of great stories about that. He was in a band called the Count Bishops. The 101ers was, was uh, uh, Joe Strummer's band pre, before pre the clash. Yeah. Right, right. And then he, he actually played with, well, after Wilco Johnson left Dr. Feelgood, he, he put a band together as a guitar player, and um, Steve was playing bass with him. He's like 22 or 23. Okay. And they came over to the States, um, and then Steve stayed mm -hmm. illegally. Um, started working at CBGB's and putting bands together in New York and all that kind of stuff, and then eventually came down here after he quit smack and got clean <laughs> okay and he played with us and he was great um but he never got his papers straight and so we went end up going to europe for the first time in 97 he couldn't come back uh -huh. um and it happens yeah and uh, and shotzi had gone with us to europe playing accordion which he had played with us on the street mostly he sometimes would fill in with on bass if steve wasn't around mm -hmm. and he ended up getting his own bass when we we're still playing on the street and then but he once so once steve was out of the picture augie start i mean geez, Greg started playing stand-up bass with me in the clubs. And y'all are doing, like, rockabilly? Yeah, we would mix. That's the thing. Is so take the take the country blues and then plug in the guitar and have a little too much caffeine and have a stand-up bass and drums, and you kind of got rockabilly. And um, some of the slides, some of that. And then we'd also do stuff, anything from Robert Johnson to Johnny Cash to Fats Waller, Louis Jordan. You know, we'd square out the funky chords and stuff. Right, Everything's right. dominant sevenths and major okay. stuff. So. Uh -huh. I never really learned proper jazz while I lived to play here. Uh, I lived here, but um, so did that guy ever get back into the country? No, he actually he died a few years, a bunch of years ago. He was in. Um, he had developed a habit again before he left, so that kind of made it difficult. Uh, yeah. Where was he in, in England? He was in London, and then he was in Amsterdam, and then he's back in England again. And uh, yeah, and he died of I think it was I assume it was uh, liver cancer or something. He had hepatitis oh, real yeah. bad. Yeah, Bummer. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, yeah. I, something yeah. like eight members of the band that are in the big mess, who were in the band while I was there, are now deceased. Oh man, it's not uncommon for this town. No, no, think it's, about rebirth it's, or it's, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's true. It's uh, uh it's a uh, uh, hazardous uh, business yeah. there. But then, like, we got that gig at the Dragon's Den right after we uh -huh. um, sort of got, came together. As a, so it was Greg Schatz on bass and Paul Sano Padre playing drums. Right. From the Song Dogs and Coco Rubber Show mm -hmm. and, and Paul Sano Padre. Fantastic drummer. And you guys wound up being together for a while and making, like, four or five records, huh? Yeah, I put out a solo album. Um... I mean, just under my name, it was because I had no set band at the time, uh -huh. and it was acoustic and some live electric stuff. And then I, we put out, uh, yeah, on, uh, we recorded at the Boiler Room with Mark Bingham, we recorded oh, okay. this, the first Delta Billy Boys album, and that was Count Your Chickens Before They Hatch, and that was, that came out on Louisiana Red Hot, that's, um. Right. Is the Dragon's Den still around? It is in some form, I think. Yeah. Because I remember when I first moved here, I went to that place a few times. It was a Thai restaurant downstairs. I loved it. It was great. Yeah. It was funky. Very funky. I don't Pillows for chairs. and Right. Yeah, I, I played a private it's party there, there a couple of years ago. But, uh, and they had that dog meat special downstairs. <laughs> <I remember. laughs> but yeah. we used to drink. It's delicious. We used yeah. to drink. Uh, Not kosher, but. Uh, <laughs> Santo Padre got sober in 2000. He was a, he's a recovering alcoholic. And. Um, we would drink Red Bulls, but Chai Red Bulls, and mm. we had really didn't know what was in them because they seemed like there was a little extra something. Yeah, extra kick. Yeah, that was that was bad. 
<laughs> good times, yeah. good times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was a fun band. We played. Yeah, we put out some more records independently after that. Right. And we went to Europe a few times. And you know, we went to up north. We 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 toured some, but nothing like y'all. You know, we go up for three weeks or two weeks or something. Right, go well. down to South Florida or up to Vermont or California. Um, just before. Sure, the same summer of Katrina, like in June or something, mm-hmm. um, we were on a, a like a two week tour opening up for Preservation Hall Jazz Band, which was a real thrill. Oh, cool! Yeah, up in California. But I don't know if you remember the um, that year in two thousand five, the concert concert uh, world just kind of like took a real hit. Like everybody started canceling shows for some reason. I can't remember what it was. Hmm. But like there was a rash of it, unless I was just being hoodwinked. But they lost half of their gigs for the tour, and they would okay. run the bus without the generator most of the time, oh, trying to save money. You know, <laughs> just sweating your uh, brains out. Yeah, that day. I mean, I can't complain. You know, it was it was pretty luxurious for us. Yeah, we had just toured in my suburban before that. Right, right, right. Fortunately, uh, we were all about five six, five five, so we fit into it. The fit three of us the, with the stand up bass and the drums and everything in the suburban you're saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. right right little clamshell for our clothes uh-huh right right um well uh you know we want to get into uh you know your move up to boston and and uh you know your your uh, uh meeting uh the the guys from morphine and and reconstituting that band and everything when i saw you guys play you played uh vapors of morphine played this past saturday night at dba amazing show uh uh packed house incredibly great uh great band uh you know the the current band and and uh you know loved it and and uh but but we we usually uh take a little break about now man oh okay we're gonna take a break Sounds good. And the nation knows what to do. The nation. Yeah, the troubled nation. Troubled nation. Yeah. Yeah. Troubled. Yeah. Man, the troubled nation, yeah. troubled times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all trouble. Trouble. It never trouble, ends, trouble. man. Right. It never ends. Trouble, all right, so we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. When sun goes down and hot, you can hear them women holler. Sweet daddy. Back, back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Yeah, back with our guest, Mr. Jeremy Lyons. I am Renee Coleman. Now, uh, now, 
Jeremy, uh, I know you are a listener of the of the podcast, so you're yeah. familiar with our our struggles uh, with with sponsorship and the fact that we're back to our original sponsor, Loose Change. Yeah. Oh. Loose Change. Yep. Loose Change is. We uh, need it. The only oh, thing loose we change. Oh, not the not the magazine loose change. No, Just no, actual, actual loose change. Loose change okay, in wait, people's pockets. Yeah, yeah. Not not from the guests, but uh, from oh, from, from, from the listeners. It it's a listener supported operation. Yes, yes. And so dig and, into and, your and, under and, your couches. Uh, and, yeah, dig into the into the couch cushions, into the the uh, what used to be the ashtray in your car. You know, they get you find your put kids' piggy there. bank, the piggy, jar, piggy banks. The yeah, yes, the change jar. Right, right. And yeah. and uh, you don't have to send us the silver. You know, we we have a PayPal and a Venmo link, uh, you know, just keep it simple, people. We can keep this all digital. Rob and, the homeless. And, uh, go rob and, the uh, homeless. Take go to Coinstar. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, we have the, the links there and the, uh, the, the show Bobcat. notes of, of every episode as well as the Facebook page. And uh, a couple of our listeners chipped in this week. I have uh, uh, Hellcat Lisa McGoffrin, oh. uh, a bandmate of our, our last guest, Misty White. Uh, Lisa uh, chipped in, support the podcast. Thank you, Lisa. And once, ag- once again, our, our, uh, our, our uh, you know, weekend and week out supporter, Rob Mailer, uh, is, is, uh, is coming through. Uh, God bless Rob Mailer. Man. How is Misty? Uh, uh, Miss- she seems uh, like she wasn't all there last week. Oh, you know, Misty is Misty. You know, she's, she's, uh, she's, She's always kicks. I always enjoy being around Misty, and I, I enjoyed seeing her. That Did she go back that to time. France? I think she's back in France now. I think Good. she's back in Toulouse. Um, uh, so, uh, so yes, we want want to uh, implore the, uh, the the listeners to you know if you're listening week in week out or even sometimes you know support the podcast. Uh, use the the Venmo link, the PayPal link. We also have the Patreon page. Oh. Uh, you know if you. Uh, I might come uh, mow your lawn if you uh, if you want to become a, a patron there, and uh, you know it takes the guesswork out of supporting the podcast. Uh, once again, and if we, you're female, I'll come mow your lawn. Okay, there you go, <laughs> there you go. Uh, so so uh, we we also have the uh, Troubleman Podcast T-shirt. I'll grow a mustache too. Okay, all right. I've seen you with a mustache. It's yeah. been a while, but uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, yes, we have the the T-shirts and male and female sizes and uh, several colors you the the links for that are in the in the the episodes and the uh the the uh facebook page as well uh, uh speaking of facebook follow us on social media uh you know instagram facebook um uh subscribe rate and review wherever you're listening to the podcast uh, yeah. give us five stars it helps us out a lot doesn't cost you anything does that yeah. increase your visibility on the um, general yeah. uh yeah yeah world We're, of podcasting you know, yeah yeah and like- the most important thing i've been told is to share Share, yeah. share, share it, man. Yeah, you hear share something it. you like, you share it with your friends. Yeah, there you go. You share Here's something it. you don't like, you share it with people you don't like. There you right. go. That's it. So that's either it. way, that's this right. is what I've been told. Tell your friends. Yeah. Tell your enemies. That's tell right. To share. 
Um, yeah. So, uh, and I have a few dates coming up. You know, it's. Uh, uh, What's uh, her name? Uh, May May sixth, the iguanas will be uh, at uh, Vaughn's with the there Klezmer All Stars, and uh, uh, later that night we have a, a super late night starting at one a.m. at uh, at Chicky Wawa. It's a oh God. it's a uh, one a.m. Papa uh, Molly uh, <laughs> tribute to David oh, Lynn. Go to a one a.m. show painful. like crackheads. Go to a one. Well, that's what show. I said when 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 I was called about. It, I was like, who's bringing the cocaine? So I guess that'll be up to the the patrons. Uh, but you know, over there, Chicky Wawa. Who knows what goes on, man? They got some deep pockets there. So uh, so and uh, so so, so <laughs> join us over there if you're so inclined, and uh, you know, keep your eyes out for uh, iguanas. Dates will be on the road in uh, May, coming up to the Northeast, actually playing uh, playing Cambridge, playing uh, Club Passim, uh, right? Club Passim, that's right. So that's an ostensibly a folk club. Okay, well, you know, we they, we, you know, we we play some folk music. You mm-hmm. know, play Mexican wasn't folk made music. No, made by no horses. No, that's right. That's right. Okay, well, uh, what back time is the gig there? As if it's a folk club, it's probably like, like seven, seven or eight or something. Probably eight o'clock. Yeah, yeah. we do a lot yeah. of eight o'clock shows. It's a nice place. Yeah. They have really good sound. Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. Also playing Iridium in New York. Uh, Is it wheelchair club, accessible? <laughs> I hope so. A- um, ADA I think compliant. it is. Actually, it is, a, it is a step down. It's like a half basement. So I think there so might be through the back, though. Push them down? Sure. Well, there, there's it's, that possibility, but I don't easier, think that's considered a easier to get legitimately in legitimately right, right, uh, right. accessible. But, um, yeah, yeah. It's, but, but there you, should you will be. be I'm yeah. pretty sure it should be. Okay. All right. Maybe there's a ramp. All right. Well, we'll see. I'll I'll, I'll report back to, the, to the nation about the uh, the ADA compliance. It's Massachusetts, after all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, it's they're, not New Orleans. They're pretty compliant. Now, um, did you like Boston when you lived in Boston? He still does live in Boston. You still live in Boston? Well, I live in Cambridge, right across the river. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's not get into that right now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get into that later. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. that's what Jonathan Freilich has to talk about too. Uh, Boston. Yeah, he said it's one of your habits or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, uh, well, let's, well, I, let's, there. I guess let's, that's a habit. Let's get back well, to no, our no, guest. There's uh, something about it. I, we're not, we're not going to get into oh, it. Oh, I'm so right? intrigued, though. Yeah. yeah so keep, keeping <laughs> us all on pins and needles. Yeah. Well, we're, we're uh, back to our guest, Jer- Mr. Jeremy Lyons, and uh, we are at the part of the story where uh, you're you're coming right up to uh, August 29th of of 2005 dun, 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 dun. Hurricane Katrina <laughs> floods this 80% of the city and and uh, 80% of your stuff apparently on the first floor of your of Yeah, your we got residence. about 3 feet of water inside. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, I had a, a closet of uh, like a wardrobe full of guitars. And that kind of stuff. Uh, okay, well, I've, I'm, I'm, we're going to gloss have, over this. Yeah, yeah, these yeah, stories yeah. make me sick we, to my stomach. Right, I I don't, we don't need to go back. Rehash <laughs> yeah, yeah, all yeah, this. exactly, exactly. It's like uh, let's wait till the 50th anniversary right, or something. Right, right. And we're all dead. So, so there you, you, you uh, so you, you, uh, you evacuate to Baton Rouge to my grandmother's house. Actually, okay. she had moved down there to be close to her young grandkids and my, my aunts, my aunts' kids, uh-huh. and and my uncle's kid too. And so. Um, so we stayed with uh, my grandmother, Millie, on my mother's side, which was nice. Um, we were there for a few days, and then... And see, that was enough. A few days in Baton Rouge is enough. It was a little scary in Baton Rouge, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Like, uh, it always is. Yeah. Folks' true colors were coming out in response to the uh, influx of, uh-huh. of people from New Orleans, shall we say. Right. Um, so it was a little weird. It was also... Baton Rouge traffic was bad enough already. Oh, it's worse. It's horrible. Yeah. It's still horrible. I'm sure. And then with two, I don't know how many hundred thousand people 
plus, you know. Right, right, right. No, but anyway, right, yeah. so we, we, the thing is though, uh, my, my, my now ex-wife, Valerie and I, um, at, we were still together. We had, our kid was six years old. We had already discussed moving up north that summer. Hmm. She was working, uh, Valerie was working as a school teacher on the West Bank. And she had just been doing it for a little while, and um, it was real rough. And she was hoping to someday move to a place where the school system worked better. Mm -hmm. And we had friends and family in Boston. And so I had grudgingly agreed that after some period of time, we might move up there. And I was thinking a couple of years. Uh -huh. It ended up being a couple of months. Okay. And um, so it, I was torn, you know, about the whole thing, um, of course. But we decided to stay up there. Okay, uh, and and uh, so you're you you start uh, looking around uh, for playing opportunities. And yeah, you, I kind of went into automatic, like you know, like I was pretty much in shock, like everybody else. But just mm -hmm. sort of like do what you do to maintain, and right. you know, you look for open mics. And I was really fortunate in that um, someone. Are you familiar with Elijah Wall, the writer? Uh, I'm not. He used to write for the Boston Globe. He was the music writer for the Boston Globe when they had such a thing. Okay. Um, and he's written a number of music books, including one about Robert Johnson, and one of he was the guy who edited Dave Van Ronk's autobiography, oh, okay. um, Mayor of McDougal Street, which then became was used as an inspiration for the uh, Coen Brothers movie uh, uh, Inside Lewin Davis. So he's got right. some... Might Friends. be only the but second or third time that Dave Ron Ronk's name has come up on the podcast. Really? So congratulations. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freilich and I were just talking about him today, actually. Who is he? Uh, Dave Van Ronk was a, a folk blues guitar folk player guy from New, New York, York when, when the Dylan first scene. got there. He was the mayor, basically, of, yeah. the, of the folk scene folk in New York City, yeah, and yeah. never yeah. left, really. Um, right, well, brilliant the, guitar player. The, the story goes that uh, when, when uh, like, Dylan kind of adopted uh, Dave Von Ronk's version of uh, House, of the, Rising House Sun. of the Rising Sun and, and recorded it and without telling recorded him. Recorded it and told him after the fact. And then, of course, the, uh, you know, the animals adopt that same version of House of the right, Rising Sun it, and have a big hit on it. Right, Van Ronk is the one who came up with those, those chords because there had only been like a three-chord song before that. Right, right. Uh, and he was not happy about that for a while, but they eventually made up again. Yeah, yeah. He, but he, he was seems a big like influence. an affable guy, Dave Von Ronk. Yeah, and, uh, I wish I had met him because yeah. he was up there for a long time, and I met people who... who took lessons from him cool. but anyway so this guy Elijah Wall the writer who's from up there he's from like Newton or something mm -hmm. he had lived in New Orleans for about nine months in the early mid 2000s and was writing something and I, he um, saw me at the Spotted Cat and we got talking and then I realized who he was I was like oh, my mom always sends me your articles oh. my mother always still clips and sends me articles on paper nice. um, and um so, we, you know, we sort of struck up a little friendship. We had some mutual friends. He knew Kenny Holiday because Kenny had come, oh. had been in Boston for about 10 years in the 80s and played down. He moved down here in 89, I think, uh, and played on the street. And I met Kenny. And so, anyway, when I moved up to Boston area, Elijah sent out a big uh, email to a lot of people saying, there's this kid, oh, wow. this guy who moved up. He's really good. He's worth checking out. You know, give him a break oh, or whatever. That's so cool, man. And, and then and, uh, Kenny Holiday actually also called some people. Knew that when he found out I was up there, and one of them was this guy Washtabrabi, Washtabrabi Phillips, who's a really interesting character. Um, um, he, he, 
obviously plays washtub, but he also mm-hmm. played a kind of a one-string fixed neck um, bass made into dr- out of a drum, you know, with the string going through the head. Right, right. I've seen um, those. Um, and he he played with Kenny a lot back in the day, and Mickey Bones. I don't know if you know Mickey Bones. He he's here right now. He's a drummer from up there, and he's gone back and forth and moved down with Kenny for a while, but played on the street for a while. He's here right now, actually. But um, anyway, so that's, um, that's so then so you... then different people. So yeah, mm-hmm. Washed Up Robbie reached out to me. Um, I met Dana through my friend Laura. Dana Colley, yeah, saxophone player from Morphine. Morphine and uh, also Jerome Dupree, the, ba- the original drummer. Who I just ran into when I saw, uh, I went to right, see uh, uh, Joey Spompanato's wife's band. Joey was playing and Jerome is, is playing drums. Anyway, so you run into those guys and it's a meeting of the minds between them. Uh, I mean, you, you've... Well, I was getting a lot of calls for gigs. People were just like, you know emailing me or calling me offering there was one guy who was great this guy named steve gates who he was he was he still runs a guy a place up in um like shirley mass the okay the, uh, bull run restaurant i think and he called me up out of the blue he's like yeah well i you know i got this email and stuff and i've been talking to some people about you on um you know as far as i'm concerned there's two kinds of musicians those that suck and those that don't suck and from what I hear, you really don't suck. So <laughs> we'll give you a shot, you know. I was like, okay, I like that. Yeah, that's, right. I feel a little low pressure. Pass fail, yeah. 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 So, um, you yeah, know, I made a lot of connections early on. You know, it, not all of them panned out or whatever, sure. you know. But, um, yeah, but then I met, but I met Dana. A friend took me over to the High and Dry studio while they're having a poetry reading recording thing um, Bar- with Mark Sandman's kind of uh, clubhouse studio yeah. hangout yeah. yeah and Dana's like oh yeah he'd heard about me and he's like oh you want to smoke some weed you know I was like, mm-hmm. yes and then hung out with him and Billy Conway the second drummer from Morphine right um, and we just hit it off Dana just he's Dana is a very you've met him obviously and hung out we've known him for a long time yeah, yeah. he's a very sweet yeah. guy yeah yeah he's, he's, he's really prince. really sweet and right. he goes out of his way to make people feel welcome and stuff and so he was and he was also devastated by Katrina just like a lot of people up there I would get funny comments people would be sympathetic but some people really used it as a kind of a like a political wedge or something like a two like a cudgel like oh bush did a great job with this i'm like i don't give a shit about all the politics you know uh-huh. it's a question of whether people understand what what kind of thing you're going through like and right. dana and them had had sam man die on stage six years before and right in front of them so they kind of knew something about like quite tragedy familiar with, and, with trauma and yeah. time you know like uh, you know life-changing events and stuff right right so yeah dana and i hit it off really well we jammed together we painted houses together for a while oh, no um, kidding. um yeah and uh yeah and i actually was first hiring jerome to play with me and shotzi on some gigs because shotzi was living in brooklyn at the time oh, okay and um um, I gave Jerome some of my CDs, which were recorded at the Boiler Room and at, um, uh, with Mark Bingham, mm-hmm. mostly, or live with, by Mark Bingham. And, and he was like, oh, I know Mark Bingham. We were in a band together in the 70s in Bloomington. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Bloomington, Indiana. Yeah. Right, right, right. So we're, I think they're going to play together, actually, like next month or something. Okay. Mark's doing out, going in there for some retrospect, 50-year retrospect thing All or right. something. Um so that was cool. There were also lots of little weird connections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And then in 2009, they were asked to bring a band over to the festival in Italy where Mark had died. Uh, to, you know. Right. So Palestrina or something? Palestrina, Italy. Yes, we're yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. About an hour out of 
east of Rome. Mm-hmm. And um, and they asked you. They asked like, me. I had been just hanging out. It was sort of right place, right time, because they actually reached out to Les Claypool, who they'd done some collaborative thing with. Uh-huh. He was busy, and they talked about maybe Josh Homie, because uh-huh. he was at he was in Palestine. His band showed up the night that it happened, and then played the next day. Uh-huh. And there was this bond, but, but right. that didn't happen. So I was like, you know down the list somewhere uh-huh. <laughs> but no i because i played slide guitar so they were like oh you could probably just do it on guitar mm-hmm. but i messed around with this with that sandman two string slide bass and i liked it i had a smaller one made yeah he's like he was like seven inches taller than me or yeah something. yeah Mark, so, mark's a tall guy yeah i put on i would put on his bass because it was hanging out in the studio i'd try it on and then i look in the mirror and I look at the picture of him wearing it and be like it doesn't look like the same bass yeah i'm like a little miniature person no, so. it's funny though. You you have that bass in your hand. And you start playing, and it's like, wow, this is the sound, man. Like, uh, you know. Well, it's there's nobody else that not very many people that play it. You, it sounds slight, like on the recording. Sometimes it sounds a little bit like an upright at times, but he gets that raunchy sound. He has it mostly tuned to a fifth. Right. So it's, it's like basically a power up, chord. It's tuned up way high. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. It's not really a bass. It's a baritone. It's a like a D, A, or which is the you know the high strings of the bass right. or even maybe C G right. occasionally low A high A that's the lowest uh-huh. he, or uh, yeah that's the lowest he goes Mark was such an interesting guy like you know it's this the the inventor side of him you know like like that uh, that band the uh, presence of the United States of America you know, right, I know they were those, friends those yeah. guys were friends in those instruments they were playing the tritars and stuff I think Mark was kind of the inventor of those right wasn't he uh, yeah I'm not sure because Chris Ballou Started playing a two-string bass, also without a slide. But but right. that was their shtick. Was the guitar player had like three strings or four strings on his guitar, and the bass player had two strings. I don't know what the drummer. Do he have one stick or something? Or no, no. But but I th- I thought they were both playing like uh, tritars, like guitars. Uh, Whatever happened to that? I don't know. They were pretty um, good. Yeah, know. they were cool. I think there's those guys are still around. They're just not. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe that not playing is that band. Around, the thing that was funny though, playing? like yeah, I don't know. You see those guys play up there? I had, I yeah. saw them once many 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 years yeah, ago. Yeah. But and I met them and had jammed with some of them. But um, I'm really pretty ignorant as far as a lot of the rock from the 90s goes. Okay. Uh, you know, obviously I know some of the big hit makers and right, stuff. Right, but right. I was never like that. Elton was, John. Yeah. 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 And, you know, um, you, you was weren't following Elvis the, Presley, the, I think. Was yeah. what he, the MTV. Uh, I wasn't following right. grunge. I wasn't following alternative music. I like a lot of it, but um, I just don't know. Like, it's kind of awkward sometimes being at these festivals and they'll introduce. Like, so, uh, like Phil from Pantera introdu- like came to our dressing room in Chile one time. He's like, Morphine! Where's Morphine? Uh, and he comes talking to us. And I'm like, who the fuck? I had actually heard of Pantera, but, you know, there'd be like. I don't know, like... Sure, sure. Just, outside I'm just of ignorant. your realm. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. I'm more of a blues now, musician. Now, so. that, that had to be kind of a uh, uh, challenging situation where, you know, you're you're going to, to to fill in for this much-beloved band leader and, you know, singer. And, and uh, man, watching you do that material, I got to say, I'm, I'm so moved because you really bring the, the, the spirit of... of of Mark to the, the, the older morphine songs. It doesn't, 
it's, it doesn't come off as as you like aping the you know Marx thing. It's it's right. it it. Uh, Thanks. It, it it's it's so sincere and and uh, you know genuine and and I love that the the music that that Marx music can still be played in such a such a uh, you know authentic way. And then cool. you guys continue it on, and, and all the newer material that you guys put out on this this last record, uh, uh, Fear and Fantasy, that you just put yeah. out, uh, and the, it when you play it live, it fits in perfectly with all the all the the old school morphine stuff, and even you know the 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 low rock thing, man. Low rock lives. I, I love that you guys are still mining that vein, you know. And even when you're playing six string guitar. And doing all that finger picking and stuff, you know, uh, Dana's playing the bass parts yeah. on, on the on the Barry. And well, that's through. yeah. I mean, we, actually, when we first started playing together, before we ever did a morphine tune, we were just we just do some off the cuff shows. The first one was I had Jerome lined up for a gig, and then I couldn't find a bass player. And I asked Dana, like, you have an octave pedal, right? Mm -hmm. And so he came and brought his amp and his octave pedal or his whole setup, right? And first we were just doing, he would do the, yeah, he would lay down the bass lines with the sax, and I was playing, like, we are playing, like, droney hill country and, and delta blues and stuff, a lot uh -huh. of that stuff, and some New Orleans stuff. Right. And then when we started doing the Sandman things, so we already kind of had that thing, and so we'd flip it, so I'm playing the bass, and he's playing lead sax, or I'll play guitar or uh, electric bazooki or whatever, and he'll play mm -hmm. the bass. Sometimes he's doing the freaking looping like circular breathing with some he of that gets stuff. some crazy sounds going out of that at one point he had like this this whole uh, uh, a loop. feedback loop going and, and he's just like uh, not didn't even, didn't even have the well he didn't even have the horn in his mouth he's just like oh, yeah. uh, uh, fingering the keys and and affecting the uh, the Dana is a phenomenal player I've heard very few forget about the electric part of it I've heard very few baritone players with that kind of sensitivity of tone yeah uh, he he attributes it all to Steve Berlin really? from Los Lobos, who, um, when Treater Wright was the thing, that was Sandman's earlier band, right? With Billy Conway on drums, also. Mm -hmm. um, they had a tour opening for Los Lobos, and they got kind of tight. And Morphine had already recorded like a demo or maybe the rough mixes for the first album, and Mark gave it to the band, uh -huh. and he had hired Dana to be his guitar tech. Really? Yeah, and so he was traveling with them. He didn't know anything about guitars or tech, uh -huh. but he was helping to lug the equipment, basically. Oh, so, so and, Dana and was so, on the road with yeah, the free so, rider. Yeah, and Steve Berlin's like this, this sax player from Los Lobos. He's like, who's playing sax on this? It's pretty good. He's like, you see that guy over there wrapping cables? Uh -huh. <laughs> That's him. And so then he got to play with them. He got to play with Los Lobos. And Steve told him all this, showed him all this stuff about... Um, uh, grinding your your reeds and stuff, preparing your reeds before playing. Okay. And he says he that's basically what he attributes it all to. But anyway, yeah, he oh. does. You know, we have a lot of fun. It's a weird. The, I wouldn't want to do just a strictly a cover t band. Sure. So the idea that Sandman was really into um, North African music and blues and jazz and 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 and, and different influences and right. um, was a well traveled guy too. He'd been. Yes before morphine even apparently lived in south america for a while and so intellectually so, curious yeah and and the idea of just doing his music statically would 
was boring. And sure. so we just, you know, we kept on going in the direction we'd already been going in. It, you know, Dana had done other interesting things, like uh, Twine Men was a cool band right. with him and Billy and the singer Laurie Sargent from Face to Face and yes. the bass player and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you got to play, you got to sort of honor the legacy of the band by continuing to progress and change and grow and stuff. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's a brilliant, uh, you know, uh, navigation of all that stuff. And it's it's cool for me because I don't consider myself really, really a rock guitar player. Like I can do the rhythm stuff really good, but I don't know how to do the weedly, weedly uh -huh, stuff up the right. neck and everything. You know, like I don't know any of that. So um, it's nice to do. Just we just consider it unusual music. Like there's the real low rock part, and then there's just I don't know what to call it. Uh, yeah, the, playing uh, West African music, but definitely wrong. But but, yeah, but it's enjoying there's an it. experimental yeah, exactly. aspect of it. Yeah, it's taking yeah. a. It's like you know any uh, you know like what classical composers would take composers would take folk tunes and arrange them and everything. Right. So. And uh, and you guys are traveling with uh, your your new drummer uh, Tom Airy, right? And, yeah. And uh, man, what a fantastic player! And it's it's very interesting uh, over the the three different drummers that Morphine has had over their their history or Vapors of Morphine now. Um, how the, the 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 profile that the drummers use you know it's 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 three different guys but a very consistent approach where it's not a wash of cymbals it's a lot of drums and rims and right. dynamics and you guys established well sandman was really adamant about cymbals he he was it, i think the first time jerome played with him was in a different band but um, he started setting up the cymbals and Sam was like you're not going to need those yeah. <laughs> and I think Billy had to fight to get the hi-hats or Jerome one of them had to be like no I'm playing the, the damn hi-hats <laughs> eventually they would have cymbals it was just used for accent rather than leaning on them you know you're not going to hear it like you say that right. big wash and it leaves so much space in the band when you know you, you hear so much air and uh, you know it it, it it gives you so much dynamic room to get big when yeah. you start hitting the cymbals or you know right. get, get to the top of the dynamic range but you establish a comfort level at a low volume a, a low intensity and you get used to that and it's like that's all you need you don't have to fill up every every <laughs> who uh, is the sandman place. guy so sandman mark sandman yeah, was the lead well okay i feel silly uh um, so he was the lead singing. singer of Morphine. And he okay. also played bass and wrote all the songs, pretty much. So songwriter, uh, singer. Uh, um, kind of a cult figure in a way. Like, there's certain uh, okay. people just like... I, I see, like I said, I don't really care about I didn't, music. I didn't know... A, I had heard of when them. When did they come out, this band? The um, eight, 90 or 91. Yeah, yeah oh, okay. early 90s. I was, uh, Mark was, Mark he was a good friend of He died in 99. Yeah, Mark, was a, uh, Mark and I were very close and, uh, you know, spent a lot of time when he was down here, when I was up there, and... Uh, you know, yeah, it was a total shock when when uh, Mark suddenly passed away and and you know left this huge hole, and but you know Mark was a, a, a brilliant uh, you know musical innovator, uh, you know invented this instrument that uh, you know has a sound all its own, right. and, and, you know really. So so yes, it's uh, it's it's so so we we you guys played DBA on on. Uh, Saturday night. Right. It was the first time we had Tom Airy come down with us. We hadn't been back in five years. We were, it had been a couple years and then I was, then the pandemic hit. And, right. Um, so, uh, Tom plays with Peter Wolf and a bunch of other bands up there. He's very much in demand. Right, right. Peter's not very busy right now, fortunately for us. Okay. Um, so, uh, but he had kind of like a combo of Jerome and Billy somewhere yeah. in the middle because he's more, he has the rep, he has the chops 
that Jerome has as far as world music and all different kinds of styles, jazz, blues, drum, um, rock. But he, uh, Jerome's much more flight of fancy drummer. Like he's going to go with he's with inspiration most mm. of the time. Like he really likes to to do things differently. Every you know sometimes and you know play around a lot, improvise, improvising. Yeah. Right, right, right. And uh, you know I know DBA is a uh, an, an old haunt of y'all. Y'all's. I mean Tom, the the owner of DBA, is a huge fan. All the yeah, he's, half of the staff incredibly supportive. Ha- the half of the staff, all of the New Orleans musicians, had, had had taken the night off just so they could Uh-oh. come and, and really? see y'all. Yeah, oh, yeah. So oh, wow. so Joe Cabral and I were there, and Jonathan Freilich showed up, and uh, and uh, we're wow. looking around in the in the audience. It's you know, uh, all the DBA staff is there just just because they're they're they eventually we're going to take the act off of Frenchman Street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, yeah, we got to got to get you guys playing in, in all the clubs, man. I know. Are you guys still doing like a, a weekly residency up in? No, it's okay. been years since we did all that. Right. Yeah. In fact, a lot of venues have closed up there or are closing. Um, yeah. It was already on the happening before, but. Well, uh, well, let's let's move on from Shall this, we? and and uh, and because we're, we're kind of getting to the downslope of the podcast here. But uh, talk about New Orleans. But, but I, well, I was going to say, let's talk about a couple of other things you do. So I know you you still have oh, this yeah. this uh, you know this uh, this kind of jug band af- affinity. You know this uh, the street kind of thing. You you yeah. this is uh, so you you have the the busted jug band that you play with. Yeah. It's like uh, pre World War Two kind of uh, ragtime uh, yep. uh, swing. Blues. Yeah, there's there's that, and then there's a blues band that is um, like a real stripped down thing. But yeah, Busted Jug Band is my uh, pet project, and um, yeah, very much a lot inspired inspired by playing on the street, but also and some crossover in the repertoire. But also like um, it's it's a comedic act, uh huh, um, and it's. Um, you know, I've, kind of vaudeville. I've, yeah, I mean, I'm taking inspiration from uh, 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 Spike Jones a mm-hmm. lot and his City Slickers and sure. um, um, the Who's Your Hot Shots. Uh-huh. I don't know if you're familiar with them. I, I know um, the name. And um, a lot, you know, novelty music. But um, so we have a, it's a it's a it's a five piece. We got a guy who plays washboard and. Um, He's. We all rig up. We get really ridiculous. Yeah. We get like we take. You don't just have a kazoo. You have a kazoo with like a oil can stuck on, or like oil. <laughs> uh, you know something stuck on the end so uh-huh. it's louder. It's like a trumpet or you. I have a. a I play a lot, mostly banjo ukulele in that band, but some mandolin and some slide guitar. But I also have various noisemakers. Um, we have a, a, a collected a bunch of bicycle horns, which I have hu- <laughs> mounted on a. <laughs> on a walker, like an old person's uh-huh. walker, where right. take the, taking the wheels off, and I've got foot pumps to play some of them, like from a pumping up a mattress, an air mattress. Right, right. And all slide whistle and all these kind of crap. We got a harmonica okay. player who also plays the jug very uh-huh. well, mandolin, guitar. We got another guy who plays guitar, accordion. Everybody's multi instrumental, and a washed up player who's. Whose tub is a bass drum, so it's a really powerful. Are there vocals? Sound. Yeah, the three of us are lead singers. Well, four of us, but the three main singers, and yeah, and it's very silly. We uh, wear you know the silly retro kind of outfits with you know 
right. top hats and rollers right, right. and ties and things. Now, I know you also do uh, a lot of children's music up there. Is, this, this, is there a, a, a cross-pollination between those? Um, well, there has been occasionally. Jug Band, the Jug Band has done some kids' shows, but most of, a lot of our stuff is kind of naughty. Okay. Um, but not all of it. A lot of it's just straight swing stuff, you know. But, uh-huh. you know, there's a bunch of drug songs and right, things right, like right, that. Right. So you have to just... Yeah, pick and but, choose. But it's easy to, to cross. I mean, they can pick up any of that stuff I do. I, I So, yeah, I've, that's been a... Uh, it was a good thing for quite a while. Um, I was playing in a, 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 a toy store once a week for 10 years, wow. I think. And I did a couple of preschools for quite some time. Um, and I still do libraries. Um, the thing is about the Northeast, there's not, they don't have the music all over the place they have here. So parents will pay a little extra or, or bring, or there'll be organizations that bring these performances to libraries and schools and stuff like that. Because it's not as ubiquitous. Right. As it is, Although as you have to go out of your way to find music, okay. live music there now. All right. Well, Especially so, for kids, you know. Right. So you're bringing them something uh, that they wouldn't normally see. You have all this esoteric uh you know, old-timey I, knowledge. Yeah, I play, um, I, I look at it as a way to sort of subliminally introduce folk music, American folk music, into their brains. Right. Most of them, will, a lot of them are really, really little, preschool age, you know, uh-huh. and they're not going to remember me, but hopefully they remember some of the songs. Right. You know, and now I'm doing some, you know, basic folk tune, you know, yeah. Oh Susanna and Coming Round the Mountain and then, I, but yeah, I play, I play ukulele, I play six-string banjo, um, I play uh, kazoo and rhythm bones, you know, like the Irish bones. Right, right. That's a, Rob Rudin from the wash, the washboard player from our jug band taught me how to do that. He plays those really good. Um, yeah, you don't see too many bones players out there, but... Uh, no. Uh, I have seen somebody play. I had somebody come and sit in with the iguanas yeah. playing bones. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's a great instrument. And that's one... I, I, I mostly learned that uh, just... Actually, it was one time when I was visiting down here, I learned the basics, and then I just walked around town. Because you can't do that in one place for very long if there's anyone near you, if you're learning. Even if you're not learning, if you just play regularly. Just, play, just playing them by themselves with no music. It's like, clackety, 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 right, clackety. Right, right. All these triplets. And, but yeah, I love playing. Trying uh, My philosophy, well, we opened, we opened a show. Um, are these br- human bones? No, not as what far as I know. What kind of bones? Well, are there's these? the there's the real That'd be good cow though. cow rib bones that are polished and stuff and oh. trimmed. But you can get wooden ones, the vegan bones. Oh, vegan really? bones. Yeah, okay. I think they have to make them out of plastic too, probably. All right. Um, they're just two so PC, curved slats, guess, like that look like it? ribs. Exactly. Yeah. And I get those in Cambridge, you know. Yeah. But um. Yeah, somebody was complimenting me. Uh, one of these bands we were opening for, you know, after our show, Vapors, you know, a few weeks ago, like, oh, you play a lot of instruments. I'm like, well, you learn a little bit on each one, and it makes people think you know a lot. Sure, sure. <laughs> Moving targets hard to hit. Shotzi and I do both do that. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, uh, we're kind well, of one other act. I just want to plug. Oh yeah, go ahead. It's a group called Mean Black Spider, which is oh, right. we put out a record on the streaming services, and it's. Um, the harmonica player from the Jug Band is leading it as a har- like amped harmonica. I play rhythm, electric rhythm guitar mostly, and some slide, and a drummer. So it's really raw, mostly shuffles, hard hitting stuff, mm-hmm. and then which is a lot of fun. Really hypnotic for me, just playing. And then uh, sometimes we do it acoustic, where I play national guitar. We have a washtub bass player instead. Nice. So nice. Those are my. Projects. Man, it sounds like you got a, a full plate, Jeremy. But I would 
I haven't been back here in f- almost five years, and this has been, I just, it's such a shot in the arm. Man, I'm so so just glad being, to, to see you guys, man. It was, But uh, the scene is crazy here. There's so many music venues now. There's a ton of venues. Lots of restaurants. Ton of, ton of murder, too. I know you hate Tons it, too. Tons of murder, too. Tons of shootings. Yep, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, we know. Gotta, know. We're number one, baby. Yep. We're number one in murder. Number one. We want to keep it that way. Yep, yep. Well, the... Keeps yeah. the... Yeah. Keeps the um, Shakes out the weak hands. Right. Yeah, yeah. Keeps, Keeps certain out elements riffraff. out. Right, 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 right. Culls like the tourist. herd. Right, right, right. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, you know, we had violent crime here in the 90s, I remember. Oh, yeah, no, it was really violent when you were here. Yeah, yeah no, Manny, it was, it was already getting much, I got jumped much, a couple times. Really? Oh, yeah. man, oh, man. Well, uh, uh, you know. Watch my car Crack drive heads, away. Huh? Keep One your time. eyes peeled. Crackheads. Most likely. Yeah. Well, uh, looking for their lucky crack pipe. Right, right, right. Well, maybe you'll, yours will turn up so, sooner or later here, man. What I would really like to do is come back more often and stay for a little bit longer and get to know some of the people that I know for a long time but don't know so well. You know, from mm-hmm. you know, once you kind of hide your scene someplace, I sometimes I had by the time I was starting to get uh, more popular here, I already was married with a kid, and so I wasn't like milking it so much you know I didn't have a lot of time late at night right, to right, for right. the groupies and stuff for like that yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no I just mean the connections and the sure, different sure, potential sure. projects we were just trying to stay busy right so anyway so wonderful to be here man so Thanks, great guys. to have you Jeremy and uh, you know it seems like a podcast huh Manny yeah except that Jonathan Freilich isn't here oh but oh, what well. so tell me the secret my habit well he says you have a, a horrible habit of picking your toes <laughs> Well, I pick my pick nose. Your toes. No, your toes. I do some. If my, I ha, I don't think and he, he would have witnessed that. This is the that. worst thing. How, he says you don't you know use that? toilet paper. Oh, for God. Oh, well. When I pick my you're toes. You're old school. You're old school. Uh, no, not, that's not true. Uh, okay. I, I well, like a clean is, bum. I toilet me. paper and wipes, yeah, man. Yeah, like I said, if I could, me. I'd have a Japanese toilet. There you go. He's in love with the Japanese toilets. Now, toes, I think you should try to keep your toes clean. Sure, yeah. Keep your nose clean. You don't want to be picking them in front of people, though. No, 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 no. Keep them under. If you're you can pick your friends and you pick your toes. I just saw him like over an hour ago. Yeah, if you're a man, keep your shoes on around me. Anyway, thank you so much, Jeremy. It's been great. It's great hearing you guys. Vapors of morphine. Very like. And just want to say something really obnoxious. No, no, he just did. That's that's enough. And well, Jeremy. Uh, as always on the Troubleman Podcast. Don't worry, he's going to cut this out anyway. Oh, yeah, it's everything it'll, out. Let's keep it going. Yeah, he'll cut it out anyway. <laughs> we like to say, trouble never ends. But the struggle continues to keep the jokes in. Good night. Good night. Good night. I dream. I dream of many things. Cut out, yes, he made a break for it. I couldn't say that I blame her. I might have done the same. Sometimes I think I must have fell on my head. Cause I don't act right and nothing makes sense. Now I think I damaged my brain, yeah. I've never been the same. I really
loves Irene, Lord knows I do. I love her till the sea runs dry. If Irene should ever turn her back on me, I'd take morphine and die.